0: What's going on guys, Zach from the Wrestling With Issues Podcast here and welcome to episode 121 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this fine, lovely Wednesday afternoon. I literally woke up three hours ago, so don't mind me if I'm a little out of sorts. And I know I'm a little bit late to the party because I know tonight is uh, AEW Dynamite and NXT, but I wanted to talk about last week's episodes real quick. I know, I know, I know. little late to the party, as usual. Comes to the territory of having to work overnights. But, there was a lot of good stuff that came out of last week's episodes. And if you forgot last week's episodes, this will kind of give you an idea of what went down. Um, I love both shows. I love both shows. I know I didn't get into my spiel, but i wanted to get into this right now. Both of these shows, even though with the ratings went down for both shows last week, they were still good shows. They were the two best shows of the week. Because we're on SmackDown, we're absolute garbage. That's just par for the course. AEW Dynamite and NXT are always going to be, as long as WWE's main roster is absolute doo-doo for the foreseeable future we can at least rely on AEW and NXT to always give us a quality show week in and week out. Yes, there are other promotions that you can see on TV, New Japan WOW, um, Impact is going to be on uh, Access TV very soon and I'm good with that I'm perfectly fine with that. But what I wanted to get into is just... Talking about the highlights. The good things that came out of it. There wasn't a lot of bad. And I'll discuss those... A little bit. But Dynamite and NXT... Did what they had to do in... Furthering along things. Because you gotta think about it. Full gear... Is in about three weeks. NXT TakeOver... War Games 3 is in about a month and they're doing what needs to be done to further along their storylines and pretty much you know give you something to invest in to come back every Wednesday So, let's talk about the highlights of AEW Dynamite and NXT. Because there's a lot of good that came out of this, especially now that AEW is heading towards full gear. They have about two weeks left. uh, Actually, three. Three weeks left uh, before they hit full gear territory. So, here we go. If it's not the Lucha Brothers versus SCU in the finals of the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament, then end the tournament now. SCU and Best Friends face you off in the the quarterfinals of the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. Good match. Good match overall. The highlight was before the match even started when the Lucha Bros came out and attacked SCU. Package piledriver to Daniels on the ramp. Thankfully, leaving him with only a stinger for an injury. But I like this. I mean, I did say, um, when I was talking about the World Tag Team Championship Tournament, the winner of Lucha Brothers' Jurassic Express, may that may be the match that determines who gets the title. And I'll get to the uh, whole uh, Jurassic Express um, spiel in a, in a minute. But I like this feud. This is one of those, like, really good feuds yes you get the young bucks and you know the inner circle and all that shit in terms of tag teams dark order as advertised and i like that but lucha brothers scu they're slow burning the fuck out of this and the tournament has been a great way for them to actually build this rivalry up i like that especially them then going back when they were t- before the the title of the tournament even started they had you know the lucha bros and scu come out and you know have like a little little little, little fight on the uh top of the ramp so they've they've been building this and this is fantastic it, it's smart that they're on the other you know different sides of the bracket but I think this may be the Tag Team Championship uh, final come next uh, next uh, Wednesday and I'd be okay with that because a lot of people from the beginning when they saw the Tag Team Championship bracket the tournament bracket a lot of people I saw on like social media and all that were thinking Dark Order some people were saying you know other teams SCU and all that I didn't really have a I don't believe I had a pick in terms of who would win the tournament but I like I said the Lucha Bros Jurassic Express would probably be the match to determine who would win the titles but I think now that the whole like I said with the whole Lucha Source injury and as I'll discuss in a moment that kind of took I, I believe Jurassic Express was probably going to be the tag team to win that tournament And if that if that was the case, then damn, what a rough way to not have the wrestling gods on your side. Speaking of the Luchasaurus injury, I just read it because I was literally doing notes about twenty minutes ago. So the Luchasaurus injury definitely hurt the Lucha Brothers Jurassic Park Jurassic Express match. Holy shit, Jurassic Park! But Marco's stunt as a replacement worked out well for all parties involved. For those that may not know, or if you just didn't care, don't care about AEW, Luchasaurus, unfortunately, backstage had a tor- Taurus hamstring. Literally, literally Taurus hamstring. And, and this was just like, chill. I think it was backstage pre-planning. Let me see if I can just find because I was looking at it a moment ago. Yeah, it was, it was crazy the way it happened. Let me see here. on, Wi Fi. Yeah, this is from prowrestlingcheap.com by uh, Ryan Satin. Um, with only hours to go before last week's episode of Dynamite, Dynamite all elite wrestling star Luchasaurus suffered a hamstring injury that caused big changes to the show. And his tag partner, Jungle Boy, as well as AEW coach, Awesome Kong, talked to us about the hectic scene that ensued. Quote, that whole day was crazy stressful. That's not how I would have imagined my debut to go, Jungle Boy explained during an interview with Pro Wrestling Sheet. This was due to his Jurassic Express partner, Luchasaurus, getting hurt before the show while going over spots for their scheduled match against the Lucha Brothers, a match the two of them had been mapping out for nearly a month with plans to steal the show. Oh, and I I imagine if they had Luchasaurus in that match, that match would have been absolutely dope. According to Jungle Boy, the injury occurred while Luchasaurus was going over the finish of the match in the ring around 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Quote, they went to try something out, a pretty basic thing I guess that you could kind of do whenever, and he said he felt a pop in his leg. End quote, the of told us. And the time that followed, it became clear that Luchasaurus was having trouble walking around, and Jungle Boy says he knew that this wasn't going to be a good situation. Quote, I'm not sure if it's a full tear of his hamstring, or if he just strained it. The young wrestler added, while noting there was talk of his partner powering through and competing in the match still, however, the, de- 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 the decision was ultimately made to replace him with Marco stunt. As for the backstage drama that ensued, Italy coach Awesome Kong said it was initially quite a scene. Quote, for about 10 to 15 minutes, it was like pandemonium backstage because the whole structure of the show changed. she explained to us. Kong then described how the coaches immediately were brainstorming how to make the show work, and we're still throwing out ideas as fans were walking into, into the arena. But everyone went with the flow, jumped on the team, and ideas flew. Decisions were made, and we put on a show. And it was a really good show. Jungle Boy also touched on the current debate in wrestling over the size of his partner, Marco Marco's Son. Quote, I think being, Marco being so small, I think it maybe makes a lot of people feel not great about themselves. And, quote, he said of the negative reactions to Marco wrestling in AEW. Quote, I say that because I think there's this kind of attitude in life that bigger and all of that is better. I think for him to be his size, which in a way would hold him back a lot, but he's out there doing what so many people have dreamed of doing and they've never been able to do it, end quote. He continued, quote, I think that kind of just adds to uh, adds a little bit of insult to injury in their minds, I guess. I get it. But at the same time, it's not anything that he has control over, Jungle Boy stated. I'm super proud of him. If you think he can get past that, I think everybody should be super proud of him. Because not only is he doing something that for anybody is a huge thing, a scary thing, he's doing it his way with what he's had to deal with. End quote. So it was a rough go with that. And I had seen it on on Twitter. Everybody was talking about Luchasaurus. I was like, what the hell's going on with Luchasaurus? And then I saw the match and I was like, okay, Luchasaurus isn't even involved in the match. What happened? so it's a rough go of things but Marco Stunt definitely did his job and put on was a good performance in the match with the Lucha Bros it was a great I'm sure it was a great opportunity for him to be involved and I'm sure if Luchasaurus was healthy they would have torn the roof off the fucking building because I think that was the opening match of the night I know they would have torn the roof off the fucking building had that been the case but unfortunately, Luchasaurus is injured. We still don't know the full severity of the hamstring injury, but we do, I do, on behalf of myself and my douche, Marley, who's literally laying down on the floor, because it's, I guess, cold. Uh, which is speedy recovery for Luchasaurus, get well soon, and I can't wait to see you back at the ring, because you are awesome. The intertwining storylines in the Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus John Moxley and Pac are fantastic and John Moxley versus Pac is going to be insane it really is I like this tag match when I saw it advertised I was thinking oh my god if it weren't for Chris Jericho Darby Allin this probably would have been the main event of the night but of course, it, of course champion holds weight over every championship holds weight over the entire rest of the card so it is what it is that could have been a little higher on the card too, if you honestly think about it. <laughs> that, as I think that was like third, fourth match in, something like that. I don't know. This was that was a, it was a good match. The ending of it was fucking great. The ending of it was fucking awesome. Um, with Omega and Moxley coming out with you know the barbed wire broom and bat again, um, pot grabbing it. You know, think tell me you know think about it real quick. You know this is, this is not a disqualification match hands bloody because he grabbed the barbed wire. That must have fucking hurt. Um, and then Moxley fucking over Pac. And then just dipping out of the match, allowing uh, Moxley and Paige to get the victory. I believe Hangman was the one who actually got the pin on Pac. So he got his pin back on... Uh, he actually got his victory over back over Pac, if you think about it. But the intertwining storyline was, you know, of course, Hangman versus Pac, Pac being Hangman, Kenny Omega and Moxley um, having gonna have their match in the full gear in about uh, a couple weeks. I like, I mean, they're they're doing mid card matches right over at AEW. They're doing the mid card correctly. NXT is too. Don't get me wrong, but they are doing mid card shit correctly. You know. Wait no, no way. SCU best friends kicked off the show. I'm sorry, that's my bad. Anyway, but I mean, just this. I mean, they're just the having this having that all those storylines would up into one match between four men is quite nice. And you could have a multitude of matches between those four in and of itself. You're gonna have Omega Moxley at full gear. You're getting a pot Moxley, not pack. Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and everyone else who works over at AEW. With Pac, dumbass. <laughs> I should I should not speak that ill of my elders. Sometimes, you know, when you're saying a name wrong, sometimes you gotta correct. Um, Pac Moxley is gonna be ridiculous. The bastard versus the Death. Row. That's something only most, you know, wrestling fans would have dreamed about, I'd say, uh, two years ago. And now we get to see it. Because I would have loved to see it when they were in WWE as Neville and Dean Ambrose. I would have loved to see that match. I thought those two would have killed it in the ring. But, of course, WWE is fully retarded, so they don't know how to book anything good. Main roster, not developmental and hot mox is going to you know, tear the roof off. If that's not the main event, I don't know what else could be, to be truthfully honest. The Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz is going to be a fantastic match in full gear. Of course, they beat um, Jason Reynolds and Johnny Silver. John Silver, I think, is uh, the ballhead one of, of the two enhancements facing off. They're definitely leading to Young Bucks, Santana Ortiz, and then Chris Jericho pretty much confirmed it with a challenge to both Nick and uh, Matt Jackson. And there's, I mean, with this matchup, you're setting this. they're setting this card up very nicely. They are really setting this card up to be dope as fuck. Because you're going to have Cody versus Jericho for the world title. Moxley Omega, probably in a uh, semi-mean event. Bucks versus uh, Santana or uh, Santana Ortiz. That's going to be a, uh, a good matchup. I don't know. how... I mean, they haven't really filled out the rest of the match card yet, but I'm sure they'll have a tag team title match in there. Probably. They'll have a tag. Yeah, they'll probably have a tag team title match. Maybe I don't know. Probably not. I mean, with the next like because they'll because the next the final is next Wednesday. Eh, probably not we'll see, we'll see what happens, but um, Young Bucks and Santana Ortiz at full gear is going to be fucking phenomenal. Especially if it's just two on two, no other BS, everyone stays on the outside, blah, 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 blah. I can just see this match blowing the roof off. You definitely can't, I I would not open the card with this, but if they did I wouldn't be surprised because I've seen the Young Bucks for years even when they're in in the TNA days when they were Generation May. yeah yeah I've known them that long and they're a fantastic team they're a really good tag team Santana and Ortiz LAX they're a really good tag team I've seen them in Impact you know I've seen them I've seen indie matches you know they were in House of Glory they're, they're a really good tag team as well and they are, they're a big deal in the tag team division and having you know Santana Ortiz now in AEW I already I had already said that AEW had the best tag team division in all tag team wrestling right now in professional wrestling today having LAX pretty much you know took it you know over the top and got it to fully being the best tag team division in all of professional wrestling today. So, I mean, it's going to be a fucking ton good time watching this matchup. I can't wait. The video package for Cody Rhodes. The way they showed Cody in a different light. The executive side, of course. They did this in a way I thoroughly enjoyed the way they just set up the beginning of the scene him just sitting there you know in his thoughts thinking about probably thinking about the match itself and you know Brandy coming into the room you know going over the schedule and whatever and he's just deep thought not even thinking about it and, and, the way, and they interviewed everyone you know MJF, Brandy Rhodes Diamond Dallas Pigs, Miss Michelle this was done very very well to show you know how he still has to deal with the rigors of being an executive AEW. Jim Ross of course saying yeah Cody has I'm sure he'll have meetings all day leading up to the event along with his training and everything he has to worry about Jericho just has to worry about the match that's all Jericho has to worry about is just the title match. You know, and them going over that aspect of it. This is a well done video package. I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, how they just, you know, the way they did it, the way they went about it is what I liked about it. I mean, showing, I mean, that boy can squat some, some fucking weight, let me tell you. Fucking, I think it was, like, it was like four plates on each side. Boy squat some heavy weight. And that is impressive. I just, I just really thoroughly enjoyed the, the video package, I think, you know they continue on to do more like this it's really cool the one thing, actually no, that's AEW Dark we're not gonna talk about that actually, you know what, I'm gonna put a light, I'm gonna shine a light on this I think, yeah, AEW Dark um, the show this week was eh, was I? Right. You no, know, nothing too crazy Nyla Rose versus Sleva Bates though, was kinda trash kinda trash and that's about as far as I'll take that. But the undesirable to undeniable series that they're doing on AEW Dark was very is a very nice touch. The, the first episode they did with uh, referee Aubrey Edwards that was a really good interview. If you haven't checked out uh, AEW Dark yet, if nothing else, watch it for that interview with her and Cody Rhodes. It was a really good interview, and it got a little, you know got us to understand you know Aubrey a little bit more. Uh, this week's one was I believe uh, QT Armstrong. I probably said the ter- I probably last I probably bullshit, fucked up his last name, um. But yeah, they were talking about him. You know how he was a former a former wrestler. Um, how he hurt his neck in wrestling, and then be, you know became you know a behind the scenes guy, producer, and all that stuff. Just that, that it's really cool to see that kind of side of the other side, not like the wrestlers themselves, but seeing you know. You know the referees and the, the producers and how they made their way up to where they are now in AEW is undeniable. It's really cool to see that different side. Now, if they just do it for you know the backstage people, like the referees and all, all that stuff, that would be a really cool side to see from AEW and understanding the uh, the, the people who aren't were non-wrestling um, entities of AEW. That would that's gonna be really cool to see if they go and take it that way. Right. I'm sure they'll have a wrestler or, or two on, and that's fine. But it'll be really cool to see that side of the coin. You know, just different sides of that. So I I just kind of wanted to go about that because that's a really cool series. If you you don't watch AEW Dark for nothing else, watch it for that portion when they get to that. And finally, Darby Allin, over time, will be looked at as a major deal for AEW in 2020. That boy put on a performance last week with Chris Jericho. It's kind of the same way Buddy Murphy had his moment with, you know, became became someone of a household name before they stopped his momentum. You know, two weeks after he had that match with Roman. And there, I mean, Darby Allin is going to be a big fucking deal next year. When AEW creates their mid-card championship, Darby Allen may be the odds-on favorite to win that title. I think he's a he's a really solid talent. He's a name I'd never even heard about before until I saw Priscilla Kelly. Again, I am just a man. I am only just a man. She fine. I, I think she fine. That's just me though. Minus the whole um, you know tampon thing. Um <laughs> which was pretty fucking funny. Um yeah, she found him So bees what it bees. But Darby Allen is gonna be that dude in 2020. I think he's gonna be a very good upper mid-carter. I mean, he's already had matches with Cody Rhodes, Jimmy Havoc, now Chris Jericho. And what I thought was a very good performance by both. It was just really, it was just a really, really good match. J.K. are getting involved. It is what it is. You know, it's a Philadelphia street fight. Anything goes. So you played yourself, but <laughs> but this is a well done match. And Darby Allen definitely showed up and showed out. The using of tape to uh, handcuff, quote unquote, uh, Darby. That was cr- the the spot that he took on that skateboard. Oh my God. What he did before he got fucking uh power on the skateboard with no hands. And everybody's bitching about the whole Orange Cassidy deal. Oh, he's got his hands in his pocket, blip, 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 Darby Allen had his hands tied behind his back and he still hit a suicide dive on the outside. What's up? I can't do that. I, I would do, I would kill myself. I am 5'9-221 right now. That would be considered in my in, in my side of the world jackass shit. If you never watched Jackass Shame on you, you should go watch it on YouTube. That would be that would be jackass shit. I would kill myself. I would break I would break something. Something would get broken upon impact when I bust my ass. And he went through the the middle bottom of the rope. He didn't go through top middle. No, he went through bottom middle. He pulled the bottom portion of the ropes. That is remarkable. That is crazy. All right, yeah, just sit on my uh, notebook, why don't you, there, Marley. And that is your obligatory Marley moment of the show. But the match itself was good. Really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The spots they took was fantastic. Darby Allen put on an, another star-making performance last week. And I am happy for this kid. I am happy that he's getting this shot. I, I can I now see what AEW sees in Darby Allen. And that makes me want to believe in him. Wow. AEW actually made me believe in somebody and want to invest more in them. And actually want to see them prosper. Vince McMahon, take notes. But anyway, that's the AEW dynamite side of the highlights show today. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the NXT side. And oh my goodness, no one will survive. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We are back with episode 121 of The Young Lions Perspective. The highlights of AEW Dynamite and NXT, and now we get to talk about the Black and Gold brand. Tommaso Ciampa was back in an NXT ring. I'm a big Tommaso Ciampa fan. I have a Tommaso Ciampa shirt. I fucks with DIY. I fucked with that match, the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. Tommaso Ciampa coming back from neck injury. That to this day I still am pissed off about because he didn't deserve to, you know, but you know what happened. But seeing him after, I believe it was what, seven months? surgery to having videos on Twitter of him working out. Seeing him at I think it was TakeOver 25, the pre-show. And then seeing him back in NXT and now seeing him back in the ring. It was fantastic to see. It was probably the biggest highlight of that night. Out of both shows. This was probably the biggest moment of the night. For me. And now that he's back into the fold, he's already dealing with the Undisputed Era. It's just really, really fantastic to now see Tommaso Ciampa back in the ring and doing what he wants to do. And I still haven't seen Chronicle yet with Tommaso Ciampa. I may go, I may check that out probably uh, in the next couple of days or so. Because I really want to check that out and see what he went through behind the scenes and all that. It was fantastic. I'm just going to get this out of the way now the War Games match is officially wide open. I don't know what the hell they're going to do for War Games now. Y'all know the three words I wanted y'all to remember were winners take all. I don't even think we're going to have that. I don't know what they're going to do for TakeOver War Games. We still have another what? Uh, about 5-6 weeks so I don't know what they're going to do with this but that's not necessarily a bad thing though. No. this is definitely not a bad thing for you know this match now to be wide open I would love to see Undisputed Era against like, you know, like a Finn Balor, a Champa, a Velveteen, and someone else. And even if it wasn't Winners Take All, it was just a War Games match. You know? It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world to, have, to not have this match be pretty much kind of like Lockdown in terms of who's going to be in it. I don't know. And that's the best part of that. I think, I think that's kind of good. You know, to, you know, to have the fans and are like, I, I have no idea who they're going to put in this match. I, would, I have no idea who they're going to put in this match with, um, you know, at TakeOver. We don't even know what the women's title match is going to look like. Usually we kind of have it down. Oh, at least close to down at this point the war games match is officially wide open the entire card is wide open i don't know what they're gonna do for this entire card and speaking of which when it comes to the women's division i'm gonna have two things to say about the women's division here My top tier of the NXT women's division is now whittled down to four. At this very moment, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair. That's your top tier right now. Because Io's now got, you know, Rhea's got beef with Io, Rhea and Bianca got beef. I would have love to see this be a triple threat. Then again, Io Shirai, you know, getting another shot, being the number one contender, that kind of would have made sense. But seeing Rhea and Bianca, that's going to be dope. We still have more than enough time to determine who's going to be the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. That's good. That's a plus. And hopefully, we get it all figured out within the next, you know, four or five weeks. But the fact that these are the strongest four they have in the game right now is pretty damn good. And then you get right underneath that your Candice LeRae's, your Tegan Knox's, your Dakota I'm already putting, you know, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox in mid tier. You know, your Candice LeRae's, your Mia Yim's, all that. Hell, Tanara Kanchi's actually starting to get up there in terms of becoming mid tier. but still at this point she's still uh, low tier but she's right at the cusp of uh, being a mid tier talent in the division I think so she's been definitely improving but the fact that you got these four women right now in your division it's definitely kick ass it's kick ass now the next one I'm gonna say may, may be an unpopular opinion to some, but I think some of y'all may agree with me on this one. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just gonna throw it out there. I can say with confidence, overall, overall, top to bottom that this is the strongest NXT women's division period this is the strongest this division has ever been Shayna Baszler Io Shirai Bianca Belair Rhea Ripley Mia Yim Candice LeRae Dakota Kai Tegan Knox. Marina Shafir and um, Duke, Born in Bougie, Tanara Kanji, Kaden Carter, Ziya Lee. And I'm just, and I, that was literally in on her. Um, and with the, with more, and, the, and you gotta think, with more talent on the way, Deanna Perrazzo, Chelsea Green, Rachel Evers, Indy Hartwell, and they just got Shotzi Blackheart. This without a doubt and there have been some strong divisions except when Asuka was there and then she just wrecked everybody that, was, that it was it was a good that was a good division um but this this group of women right now is the strongest it has ever been now I know Tegan Knox will probably be still doing her UK thing but as long as Dakota Kai is there she's probably going to be on NXT for the foreseeable future but there I have no doubt that this is the strongest division we have for the women right now I am in love with this division and the reason I didn't mention uh, AEW the women's division um, with Rio and Britt Baker it was a good match but I'm thinking ahead I'm trying to think like how are they going to establish this division You know what I mean? You still have the beep You have still have Priestley. You still have Nyla. And there's, there's some. There's some, but I, I haven't really seen enough of the women yet to gain a full. Okay, this is who's top. This is who's mid. This is who's lower, and all that. NXT, you know who's where. But you know what? They put on their best performance when they're there. Now that they're on live television, they are putting on their best. And the way NXT is booking the women, they are bringing out the best in them. Because you're not going to see a Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair on main roster television. You wouldn't see a dominant champion like a Shayna Baszler on WWE television, main roster television right now. You wouldn't. They don't know how to book the women anyway. I'd go out on a limb and say, Probably, I see, because that I, I, I might catch you like, oh, but stardom and all that shit, yeah. But in terms of the women right now, and at least in WWE, they're, they don't hold a candle to NXT right now. Sure, you got the Charlottes and the Baileys and the Sashas and the Beckys and, you know, that's about all they use by the way so we're good uh the alexas the nikki crosses the kabuki warrior warriors sparingly Natalia, they don't use their women properly look at what they have over in nxt right now a dominant champion i think she's almost she's about to hit a year she's about to hit a full year as women's champion It ain't no 600 days but it's a definitely uh, it's a respectable range she has had so far. It's just it's just when you're looking at the contenders right now. EO is just still sticking around, but Rhea versus Bianca is gonna be the matchup. Could they Ria Bianca could be that matchup that can land on somebody's top 10 match of the year list? I am that confident in this division. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I am saying about that. So anyway, getting into the tag team side of things. Imperium should start to be looked at as a possible threat to the NXT Tag Team Championship. If not NXT UK, NXT might be a damn good landing place for Imperium to hold NXT gold. But I know somewhere down the line, they're going to be gunning for those NXT UK Tag Team Champions. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Perfectly fine with that. Imperium's that kind of tag team, and I'm talking about Bartell and Ike. They are that kind of tag team that makes you just look up and notice what they're doing. You stop everything to kind of what you know, unless unless you're not a wrestling fan, that's fine. You know, you are probably like, who are these guys? But as a wrestling fan, they make you notice them. They are very swift in their movements. Their double team moves are out fucking landish. And I love it. Eichner is the spotlight of the two. Bartell, I love Bartel. Bartell kicks ass. But Eichner has grown. Look at where he came from in the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. Kind of floating in the wind a little bit. You know, over in NXT. Got moved over to NXT UK. Started doing tag team work with Bartell. Started being a thing. That, that worked, actually, I thought... That was a damn good pairing. Then they started being friendly, friendly with Volter. That brought up that brought up the whole Ring Comp shit. And I'm just like, yeah, love me some Ring Comp. Go for that. Then they started Imperium. and Then they brought in Alexander Wolf. And throughout all of that, Fabian Eichner has grown. Bartellus has advertised, Wolf, you already know what he is. Volter. That man could chop you into a fucking oblivion. But Fabian Eichner is that one guy out of the group that is the highlight for me personally. I love all of Imperium as a whole. Fabian Eichner is the one out of all four of them that has grown, tr- no, tremendously. He really has. I mean, I'm not following the man's career like it's a, like you know I'm gonna do a Wikipedia page on the man, but. You got. I respect the. I respect what he brings to the table, and working him working with Bartell, it works. It works, and they are a fantastic tag team. They are devastating, calculated. They put. It's just when you. I. I. I I guess I see it from a different lens than most people. It's just the way. It's. It's. I mean, professional wrestling is an art form, but the way they do it, the way they do their brushstrokes, is just very unique of their shit. You know, what they do with Imperium as a whole, it's dope. As a tag team, they're a threat. And I think after what we saw with Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch, it definitely is safe to say that we could start considering them as a tag team championship threat. Roderick Strong interfering in the Lee Dajakovic match was the right move. because I don't think NXT wanted either Lee or Dajakovic to lose it makes sense you know I mean the only reason the only reason we never got the conclusion to see who would be the actual number one contender is because Roddy Strong interfered in the match and it was the right call the, the the feud between Djokovic and Lee is one of those things we'll definitely remember at the end of this year. This could be looked at as NXT's possible top candidate for feud of the year. When they had their award show, I would I would vote if I had a vote, I'd give it to him. That was a great feud, and the only reason it never got its conclusion was because Roderick Strong interfered. And by the way, they made great. They have been making great use of the balcony over the past couple of weeks, especially with the Velveteen Dream, cutting that promo on Roddy. That was fucking hilarious. And then William Briel coming out after he interfered in and making it a triple threat match for the NXT North America Championship. That was smart. I Like, having that balcony, they can do a lot more with it, and I'm just waiting for the day that they have a, you know you know, last man standing match and someone gets thrown off the balcony. Just saying. For some reason, I think that's going to happen. Probably not this year. Maybe next year. We don't know. But yeah, someone's getting fucked off on that balcony. The triple threat match itself is going to be fire. I think it's going to be a great match. Especially with Lee and Djokovic in there and especially with the the hatred they already have for you. Well, not the hatred, but I I think somewhat of of a respect. But they want to be the better man. And they never had the conclusion as to who is the better man. Roderick Strong took that away from us. But that's fine, because now both of them are getting a shot to be NXT North American champion. And I'm still going to, I'll probably go with Roddy to retain. You know, using Leon and Dijakovic against each other to for the greater good. Letting them both wear each other down and then him coming in you know, getting the pickings, and since triple threat matches are no disqualification, I could definitely see Undisputed Era coming out and attacking both men. Or at least trying their best to do so. Matt Riddle versus Bronson Reed was a fun match to watch. I like, I mean, like I said, I like pretty much everybody in NXT. From top tier to lower tier. I believe in the product. Because they've been pushing out talent like it's fucking going out of style. It's nothing to them create characters that WWE, you know, upon their arrival in the main roster, decides to fuck up because they're retarded. I like the breakout tournament. I really did enjoy the breakout tournament. And Bronson Reed, you know, bringing that South Australian strong style, Australian strong style to, to, you know, the forefront... He had a good match with Matt Riddle, and he got into a lot more offense than one thinks would think they would. And that's a, that's a that's a plus. That's a really good plus for Bronson to have that match with the Matt Riddle. You know, to get that fist bump after the match. It was a very physical matchup. It was a very very well done matchup. I think Bronson Reed's gonna learn a lot from this, and I'm sure Matt Riddle definitely, you know, he earned, you know, Bronson Reed earned his respect that night. It was it was one it was a fun match to watch. And I love to see I can't wait to see what Bronson Reed does going into the future, you know, Matt Riddle now after the whole NXT championship. Um it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him going forward. Coffee. A wonderful thing. With the whole, you know, Matt Riddle deal, like I said, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do with him next, especially now that he's gone through Killian Dan and Adam Adam Cole Bay Bay. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him going forward, and it's also going to be interesting to see what they do with Bronson Reed going forward. But this is a really, really fun matchup, and I, one that definitely has replay time, um, if you are a fan of Matt Riddle. It's just really good to see the breakout guys definitely getting some work. Um... It's really, really nice to see that. It's really, really nice to see, the you know, Boa, Angel Garza, um, Isaiah Swerve Scott, you know, getting work. Putting that work in and actually seeing them after the tournament, not just, you know, they're there in the tournament and that's it. It was really good to see. It's really good to see these NXT breakout guys actually getting some shine. Now that we have two hours, it makes it a little bit easier for them to have that shine. So if you definitely did want to see that match, if you haven't seen the match, then definitely go out to see the match. It's a really fun matchup to watch. And to round out NXT, what I loved, Damian Priest, winning in the main event was the right call because they booked it the right way. What they also did was set up a future feud. That being Pink Dunn and Killian Dane. Of course, Killian Dane coming out after his match with Boa, uh, the destruction destruction of that child. My lord, uh, somebody make make sure he's good. Somebody give him some milk. That boy looked like he needs some milk. After I saw that match, that's what I said. Oh my god, boy got destroyed. He fought though, but he got destroyed. Um, Killian Dane comes out after the match, going going up the ramp to the uh, to the backstage area. Pete Dunne comes out. He done to snaps the man's fingers. They talk shit to each other snaps the fingers. Huh. Oh yeah. So yeah, they're definitely going to be feuding very, very soon. The match with Damian Priest, I enjoyed. I thoroughly enjoyed. I loved it. Now they I mean, and the way and the way they ended it was smooth. Clean smooth. You know, they both had each other in the Colorado tie-up. Priest brings him into the corner. Uh referee uh had to slip through the had to slip through the middle. With her back turned, he kicks the gonads hits the reckoning, one, two, three. Smart. It gives Priest the victory. But it gives Pete Dunne a reason to go after him a little bit more. And now with Killian Dean more than likely going to be involved with Pete Dunne. You know, and maybe Killian Dean going after Damien Priest because this could set up for an interesting triumvirate. And a possible match at War Games. I'm saying, the mid-card on NXT is ridiculous. I, I I don't think a lot of people see how NXT's mid-card is going to absolutely destroy everything in 2020. That's a positive thing. That mid-card... If there's one thing a wrestling promotion should always have, aside from the top stars, aside from the big names, a strong mid-card goes a long fucking way. A very strong mid-card goes a long way. And when you have guys like Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, Killian Dane, Keith Lee, Dominic Gajakovic, Roderick Strong, Matt Riddle, Velveteen Dream, Volter, Kushida, the rest of Imperium. You know, now you have the NXT. I mean, you can do so much with this mid card. They can do a lot and they have a lot of good secondary, you know, secondary feuds on NXT TV and have killer matches on their takeovers. The mid-card is the base for your upper mid-card and main events. Without that mid-card, you have nothing. Ask WWE main roster how that feels when they don't have a strong mid card. You get shows like Raw and SmackDown, there you go. But NXT's mid card makes for that when you see when I get to see a match like a Damian Priest versus Pete Dunne and it being good, and then having a sidebar with the whole Killian Dane snapping his fingers deal, it makes for good quality television, and it makes and it makes the filler of NXT that much better when you have a match like Ali versus Dijakovic, and then you t- and, and then you have that lead up to a Pete Dunne versus Priest. It's worth it to have a strong mid card on your roster because this then, then you're just raw and SmackDown. Nothing more, nothing less. And that is gonna do it for episode 121 of The Young Lions Perspective. We're going to take a, a very quick break and then we're gonna close out the show in proper YLP fashion to get you prepared for what's gonna go down for the rest of this week into. Next week, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode one twenty one of the Young Last Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your afternoon wherever you may be, wherever you are. And I am the. Dog. <laughs> World, thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of podcast. And as always, if you have any ideas on what you thought of AEW Dynamite and NXT last week, I know I might a little bit of a party, but we can still talk about it as we move into tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite and NXT. Or if you want to talk about professional wrestling in general, hit me up with a voice message on my website, anchor.fm/slash younglines perspective. Hit me up with a voice message, let me know what you're thinking about. And if I like it enough, I just might feature it on a future episode of The Young Lions Perspective. If you did enjoy this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about The Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, and the Twitters. Let the people know, especially on the road to AEW Full Gear and NXT TakeOver WarGames 3, that The Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay now if you do not happen to have the anchor app which is fine because everybody has all the podcast listening apps but you still want to check out this episode of the podcast along with the other 120 episodes of the young Lions perspective including now five episodes of the secret files podcast i just did one actually yesterday and i definitely would want you guys to check that out and of course six episodes of outside the ropes podcast you can find this podcast and all the other two on several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify Bam! Search for the Young Lions perspective across all these different platforms. You should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions perspective, when I'm going to be doing shows, if there's a cancellation like the one I did yesterday, um, any breaking news I may, you know, put out, you know, in the world of professional wrestling, or 60-second thoughts that I have on particular shows when I'm watching SmackDown or any other pay-per-view. Follow me on Twitter, at W W I. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweeting for AEW. SmackDown Live, even though I'm kind of losing hope in it, every AEW live pay-per-view, every WWE live pay-per-view, and I've got nothing else better than to do at 2 a.m. in the morning. I do live tweeting for New Japan as well. It's rare, but I do do it. Um, if you want to follow me on my Instagram, the mothership that is everything YLP, you can follow me there at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the young lions perspective podcast. So, with this being said, this will be the last time this week I will be doing an episode of the podcast. I have a few days remaining of my overnights and I want to get them over them over with them as quickly as possible. So there will be no podcast for the remainder of the week. Um, I will be doing one. The podcast will be coming back Monday. This coming Monday, we will go we'll do news of the weekend. We'll talk about the schedule of what it's going to be now when I cuz I'll start my new job on Monday. So, why not celebrate a new job with a brand new episode of the podcast, brightener, bright, you know, brightening afternoon on a Monday. And that's it. That's all I really got for you guys. So, until Monday, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And, and since I will and since it's Wednesday and I won't be back until Monday, I'll make my prediction for this Thursday's game today which is between the Minnesota Vikings and the Washington Redskins. I expect a retarded blowout. I'm expecting the – I was about to say the Redskins. I'm picking the Vikings to beat the Washington Redskins, even with Adam Thielen down and not being able to play tomorrow night against the Redskins. I am picking the Minnesota Vikings to defeat the Washington Redskins by a score of 37-9. to nine. I, I expect it to be a big blow up because I need Kirk, to, Kirk Cousins to go off in my fantasy league. So other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your week. And please do drink responsibly. And if you are going to go out and you need a ride home, please do not hesitate to get a Lyft or an Uber. It'll save you about 10, 10 grand. Not that I know about it or anything, but trust me, it'll save you a lot of money. So I'll see you guys Monday for episode 122 of The Young Lions Perspective. where we'll go over the news of the weekend. See you!